0: Welcome to Episode 1 of From the Front Porch, conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. Today, we will start on my front porch with fellow small business owner, Katie Chastain, to discuss Ariana Huffington's new book, Thrive, the third metric to redefining success and creating a life of well-being, wisdom, and wonder. Later, we'll stroll over to the bookshelf to highlight some of our favorite summer goodies and to talk about what's been happening in the shop. All right, so we both picked up this book, Thrive, a couple of weeks ago, and I guess I want to know what made you pick it up. Well, I kind
1: of want to know the same thing, <laughs> <laughs> but I think we all want to thrive in life, and um, I I think the third metric to redefining success and creating a life of well-being, wisdom, and wonder, um, it sounded like another sort of antidote to our busy lives and um, and how to regain balance in life. And I'm all about those kinds of cheesy self-help books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> self-help books are one of my favorites. And I loved lean
0: in by Sheryl Sandberg. And so I was kind of drawn to this cause I felt like Sheryl Sandberg talked about like our professional lives mm-hmm. more or less. And I really liked lean in.
1: And then I thought, well, maybe this will like cook the other side of the egg. Yeah, and both I think are pretty controversial, that, <laughs> yeah. and that here are two women kind of saying you can have it all and do it all, mm-hmm. um, but we don't all have the same resources that Cheryl Sandberg right. and Ariana Huffington have. Um, but yeah, there, that's definitely been in, in the talk of what what women can do and how full a woman's plate is, with right? Family, jobs, and all that we juggle. Um, so how how did this compare to Lean In? Um, so I felt like this talked more about
0: your, I mean, it talks about your professional life, um, but it's more about how an overall more balanced life helps us in our professional world, but also in how we raise our kids. Um, maybe she didn't talk too much about married life, but, um, just the more spiritual aspect, I guess, Sheryl Sandberg didn't really talk about that much, uh, in Lean In, and I I think you're right. I think it's this concept of having it all, and I'm kind of sick of that conversation. And I like that this really doesn't even address that outright. It just kind of says, look, here's what balance could look like, what it might look like in your life here. And I love – I'm not thr- thrilled mm-hmm. with, like, the overall um, concept of the book or, like, the overall sections. You know, how she divides uh-huh. it up. I'm not sure how I should word that. But um, – but I was thrilled with her, like, practical tips at the end right. of every section. I really liked that. So that brought, kind of tied it all back to, look, you might not, like you said, you might not have the
1: resources of Ariana Huffington,
0: but here are some practical things you could try at your home or in your workplace to make this work.
1: Yeah, I'm, I totally agree. This is a grab it, apply it to your life, improve your life kind of book. You just, yeah. <laughs> and easy, here's what you can do, here are some some neat steps to making your life just a little bit better, um, one of the things she talks about in the beginning of the book is millennials and so Annie, I know you and your husband talk a lot about millennials, and you are definitely in the millennial generation where I think I tend to I'm somewhere between generation X and millennial and, and maybe <laughs> You're in between. Now. I try to take the best out of, both, <laughs> but um, why why does she talk about millennials and why is this book so good for millennials
0: so I picked it up because as a millennial, I feel like I'm struggling with technology, Uh meaning it is something that is such a huge part of my life, but it's definitely a love-hate relationship, and this book really speaks to that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, she doesn't mention millennials after that kind of introductory, those introductory first pages, but... As a millennial, I'm the person she's talking to that keeps their phone attached to them, has constant email interruptions. Um, You know, there's a Twitter page to check and a Facebook page to check. And so as someone who kind of loves and hates technology, I like this book because it kind of puts it all in perspective. Um, And I think you and I have talked before about how millennials seem to just want something more. Mm -hmm. It's what took me out of the corporate world and into the bookshelf. Um, and this definitely talks about those things, talks about bringing more meaning into our lives, um, finding the meaning in our lives, because it's there, it just
1: might be buried a little bit. Right. Um, and one of the big, the first the first chunk of the book, which is by far the largest yeah, chunk. Yeah. The, which goes back to my complaint about the sections, kind of. Yeah. It really, everything falls under well-being, and that's obviously right. a huge chunk of it, but my favorite chunk of well-being, even, is sleep. So tell me about Do you sleep? I sleep really well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do not struggle with sleep. In fact, Jordan and I were talking um, this past weekend to his um, sister and brother-in-law, and his brother-in-law struggles with sleep, and his brother-in-law uh-huh. is our age. So a millennial in his 20s. Um, And he, like, they all need sound machines and sleep masks. And I'm like, you can sit me on a couch somewhere and I will fall asleep (laughs) into a deep sleep. Um, I don't have a problem with sleep, but I do have a problem with guilting myself into thinking, oh... If Katie's up responding to emails right now, should I be up responding to emails right now? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, Jordan tells me he takes a nap in the middle of his day and I'm like, oh, I don't have time for a nap in the middle of my How day. How does Jordan
1: take a nap? He has a corporate <laughs>
0: <laughs> he, at lunchtime he goes to his car and he just lays in the back seat <laughs> and
1: takes a nap <laughs> which apparently really helps his day. I I bet. (laughs) And that's one thing she talks about, the importance of naps. And all the famous nappers, we've got Da Vinci and Edison and Churchill and JFK. They all took naps, which I'm a napper, too. I think naps can change. So when do you nap? Um, Well, since reading this book, (laughs) if I can get both children down at the same time and I'm home, I nap. Oh, that's um, awesome. So sometimes it's a 20-minute nap, but a lot of times that's all it takes. I was about to
0: say, I actually think the longer you nap,
1: the worse she feel later.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it's not an issue of oh, if I nap a long time in the middle of the day, I can't go to sleep. No, I sleep all the time. It's the issue of oh, I feel really groggy when I wake yeah. up. And like a fifteen minute, I feel like I feel like a different person. The power
1: nap. Yeah, the power nap. Yeah. Well, and so you sleep well. Is that? Like 10 hours at night? 8 hours at night? What's a... It's 8 to 9, but I should... I read somewhere that some
0: people... You know, everybody says you need 8 hours of sleep. But some people actually function better on 6 to Uh 7. And some people function better at 10. I bet I would function better at 10. Yeah. I really
1: need a lot of sleep. And that's what she talks about, (laughs) finding your hours. And she talks about a Stanford study. Aria Huffington talks about this study where they study maybe 11 of the basketball players at Stanford. Oh, that's right. And they track their performance... After a normal night's sleep with no naps, and then they ask that they try to get 10 hours of sleep a night mm-hmm. and. Their free throws went up 9%. Their, you know, whatever the st- basketball statistics are, but their overall performance yeah. was way up. And um, and I, I loved that. I thought, yeah, 10 hours of sleep, especially if you're an athlete and using so much yeah, energy. Yeah, I
0: think that's the key. Like, if you're <clears throat> really busy during your day, and actually since I started working at the bookshelf, I feel like that's a job where you're not sitting down all the time. You mm-hmm. know, I was working at a job where I was sitting most of my day, and now I'm a lot busier, but I also get home a lot more tired than I ever did before uh-huh. and before you know if I came home from work tired it was because I had a rather mundane long day and now it's a long day but it's a full busy day right. and so I come home like more exhausted <laughs> than emotionally drained
1: <laughs> well and I think the retail world is a little bit like this world we're talking about that millennials are in with things constantly bombarding you because yeah. you constantly have customers, phones ringing, this and that that you're tending to. It's all so different. There's no set schedule, really. Mm-hmm. Which is how,
0: I think you're right, how a lot of millennials are leading their lives. And that kind of brings me, so your, one of your favorite sections was sleep. One of my favorite sections was really about um, distractions mm-hmm. and about uh, how she words it a certain way. Let me find it. She says something about how we look around and we have partial attention. So we mm-hmm. never give our full attention to any one thing. Instead, mm-hmm. we're giving our partial attention to lots of things. And it reminded me of, a few years ago, I read an article and it quoted this, um, this monk. And he said, if you're chopping a carrot, be chopping a carrot. Mm-hmm. And I find that I have I don't just have the internet open. I have 10 tabs open. Mm-hmm. I'm not just cooking in my kitchen. I'm cooking while watching a movie, while folding laundry, when the buzzer goes off. Like, it's a constant... I'm just constantly juggling lots of things. And I like multitasking. I'm a natural multitasker. Um,
1: but it's hard for me to give my full attention to one thing. Right. And I think this is the great flaw of all women, right? They say <laughs> women are notoriously multitaskers. I remember with my dad... He could be doing something and I could be pulling on his leg yelling at him, but he was so focused, right. you know, he, he wouldn't multitask at all, right. where my mom, yeah, she's cooking, she's listening to the radio, she's having a conversation with her children, right. and and that's what I find the same. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how do I get the laundry going, get the dinner going, get the children, fit, you yeah. know, all at the same time, but, and, and then we're not appreciating or enjoying any of it, and we're not right. doing any of it to the best of our abilities. Right. Um, So, so, yeah, that's been a nice exercise that I've been trying to do since reading. Yeah,
0: trying to do one thing at a time. And I think, um, you know, at the job or, you know, at work or in your home, you know, when you're raising kids, you might have to multitask. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. just part of the job. You know, at the bookshelf, that's part of the job is multitasking. But when I can, do one thing. So... Like, I walk to work now, and I was, like, listening to This American Life or (laughs) listening to music or calling my mom, and now when I walk to and from work, I try not to do any of those things Mm -hmm. and instead just focus, oh, because it's such a beautiful walk, and I would think I was losing that. I wasn't paying attention to that because I was listening to my earphones.
1: Yeah, and she talks about walking and walking yeah. and how important it is, and it's been important for a lot of philosophers, and it's the way we relax our mind and shake off the day, and um, Thomas Jefferson talks about it, Thoreau talks about it, uh, she even mentioned one psychologist who does her sessions oh, walking yeah. around, and I thought, how great, I mean, Annie and I, we've had business meetings, walking. And I think those are our better ones, actually. Yeah, and <laughs> that that's when the creative juices start flowing. Right. Um and you're right. You just see the world around you. Right. Um, one year for Lent, I gave up my car and walked everywhere. And I realized after those 40 days of walking everywhere, I knew more neighbors. Mm-hmm. I knew I knew what was going on in their lives because I was paying attention to what's going on and off their porch. I mean, that's kind of nosy <laughs> of me, but you just are more tuned in to what's immediately around you. Yeah. And that does kind of inspire the sense of awe and wonder and appreciation right which she talks about at the end of the
0: book she kind of comes full circle and the the reality of it is even though she divides these sections up and well-being is huge and wisdom is huge and then wonder gets this very brief chapter the reality of it is the more well-being you have in your life and the more time you're spending doing one thing at a time, turning off your cell phone, you know, at eight o'clock or whatever, the more time you have for wonder mm-hmm. and the more time you have for appreciating
1: what's around you. Right. Yeah. And yeah, part of that is also that ability to just turn your brain off for a little bit right. and meditate and make some room in your brain without thinking. And again, with all the tweets, all the access that we have to all this information, how hard is it to not think about something? I mean, you you have endless stuff to think about, endless stuff to talk about, but just being still for two minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, and not thinking. And, and she gives some practical advice on, on how to do that, how to bring your thoughts and still your thoughts. And I yeah. thought that was helpful.
0: Yeah, and I like that Ariana Huffington is giving an ex- us an excuse to do this. Uh-huh. Because I, I don't know if it's a female thing or not, but this kind of guilt or this kind of, um, bragging about how stressed we are, bragging about how tired we are. Oh, you got eight hours. Well, I only got six hours last mm-hmm. night and we kind of one up each other. Um, and I don't know why that is, but I like that Ariana Huffington by talking about it and by talking about her level of exhaustion, you know, and she's not the only person talking about it. Um, there's another ABC correspondent who wrote a book called 10% Happier. And it's on the New York Times bestseller list right now. And it's Hmm. about how he reached this level of exhaustion and ultimately realized, oh, I need to take a step back. And so these these more famous um, individuals are having these quote-unquote breakthroughs and allowing us to kind of
1: take a step back. Right. And so many creative thought leaders have discovered this in the past. So it's almost this cycle of, You know, you get so busy and then you realize, oh, I need to slow down. I mean, Steve Jobs was a huge advocate of yoga and silent retreats and um, meditation and A lot of these businesses, creative businesses like Google, like the Huffington Post, are creating nap rooms or Mm -hmm. meditation hour, and they're finding their productivity, the creativity of their workers is going up. And I think that's inspiring and and sounds good to all of us because we're yearning for it. And so it's like, oh, yes, thank you, a workplace that allows me and it's okay to um, do the things that are really good for me. and, And we're seeing great benefits to doing those things. Right. So, and the next... Big chunk was wisdom, and Annie. I'm curious. We're both trained as journalists, and so I think we're probably trained to, to <laughs> seek wisdom um, and to look for it all around us. But what did you? What kind of wisdom did you find in here? What, what did you find helpful? I liked that she.
0: One thing I was really drawn to was this concept of information does not equal knowledge. Uh-huh. We live in this time where we have all the information really all the information at our fingertips, um, you know, with the click of a button or with a search on Google, we can have whatever information we need. Um, and, but that doesn't mean we're wise. It doesn't mean we're gaining knowledge. And, um, maybe again, because I'm a millennial, because I'm surrounded by technology and constantly using technology, it's a reminder that, oh, I can use this technology and I can even use it to my advantage, but that's not what is going to make me a wise person. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, she mentions some statistics about kids and technology, like little kids and technology and iPads. It's frightening. It is. It is frightening. I don't have kids yet. So I feel like I can't, make any statements about that, but but it's eye-opening that, oh gosh, that's what is in front of children's faces all day long. Or um, And the downside to this constant influx of information, whether it's an iPad in front of you or, you know, a constant barrage of tweets, um, it's causing us to move faster than ever before. Mm-hmm. So the whole section where she talks about slowing down, that was kind of my favorite favorite thing she even mentions another book which I haven't picked up yet but I think I'm going to um in praise of slowness Mm -hmm. and I think that's um this idea that we think we should be doing everything faster because we have all the information we need but instead what if we did something's fast something
1: slow everything at the right pace so right yeah that's definitely gained a lot of ground with the slow food movement yeah and Mm -hmm. um and even with indie store and with indie bookstores, and so I'm curious how that affects your business thinking, because I know when I was doing the bookstore, it was like, I have got to place orders to get this book to this customer faster right. than Amazon, than Amazon. Which but, is virtually impossible. They, yeah, <laughs> which is virtually, especially now that they're trying to put warehouses everywhere and know right. exactly what you're going to order so they can have it to you within 24 hours. Right. So so how do we, yeah, maybe it's changing the thinking of our market. Well, and I think that's really one reason the bookshelf
0: thrives is its location, you know, mm-hmm. in the south, in, in a small town in Thomasville, Georgia. You know, the, the customers are a little more understanding, mm-hmm. um, and many of them don't need their book tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are totally fine to wait. Uh, You and I have talked before about kind of this beach town mentality, even though we're not on the water. um, People are just very casual in what time they arrive places, you know, when meetings are, everything's super casual. They are time affluent, which is something (laughs) else
1: she talks about in the book. Yes.
0: And so I think that works to our advantage as booksellers, Um, you know, and also really changing the conversation to not be about how fast can we get this book to you um, but how can we do it in a much more personal way mm-hmm. you know Amazon keeps making the news whether it's through the new drones that they're trying to create to deliver your packages or you know the kind of war they're having with Hachette publishing and mm-hmm. how that's working and why not instead buy your book at a there's no controversy here at the bookshelf. Just come buy your book and let us talk to you about it. I mean, that's the plus. That's why you shop local, whether it's a bookstore or a hardware store or a clothing boutique. You know, you get to talk to the retailer and they're knowledgeable. You know, our staff is knowledgeable. And maybe that's kind of what Ariana Huffington is talking about, ignoring the speed Uh and instead focusing on the other aspects.
1: And it's kind of a good exercise in and getting away from the hairiness of of life to order your book from the bookshelf. Because, so for instance, you know, I was in the grocery store line the other day and they had just gotten a new system. We have a new company bought our local grocery store. And so the line was so long and people were getting so frustrated. I thought, you know, I only have control of (laughs) my response to this situation right so why not just have a longer conversation with the person behind me Mm -hmm. and that's what she's she talks about the stoics and marcus aurelius who has all the power and influence in the world but it's hit and so he could buy all the happiness in the world but that he knows that's not what makes him happy it's what is his inner world and what's happening there and what's our response to what's going on in the world so ordering a book from the the bookshelf it's like you might not have as much control or no it's gonna be there in twenty four hours but you can enjoy the journey of it getting to you. Right.
0: And you can enjoy the fact that there is an actual person doing her hardest, you know, to get it to you in a timely manner. But no, it's not gonna necessarily be like Amazon Prime like at your doorstep tomorrow. Yeah. But instead it's gonna be at the store in a couple of days. It doesn't take us that long. Mm -hmm. And you can walk down to the store and interact with your local bookseller Browse the shelves, which is something you totally miss when you shop online. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see what other books are popular right now, what our staff is recommending. And so you get a
1: whole bookstore experience that you just don't get when you shop online. Mm-hmm. And we both right now have our Thrive books open, and there's highlighting in them, and there's pages <laughs> turned out. <laughs> and you get that feel of a real book that yeah. is so much better than anything else Um And it's a book that then I can pass on to friends who can see, oh, she found this interesting and relevant for some reason. And there's something continual about it and and something – it's almost like it has a a legacy, a book legacy to it.
0: Right. And I think Ariana Huffington would appreciate that because I think Mm -hmm. it goes back, like you said, to the slow movement. There was a customer in the store the other day, and I loved – she had already bought this book, and I was like – oh, you're buying it again, you know? And uh-huh. she said, well, yeah, because I went ahead and read my copy and sent it off to my sister, and now I want one for myself. And I thought, oh, that's so... I love that idea uh-huh. that you can pass along a book. Um, my friends and I started what we we're calling the Sisterhood of the Traveling Book Club, where we uh-huh. read a book, and we do what you and I have done, which is highlight our copies and underline and write little notes in the margin, and then we mail it to the next oh, person. Oh, what a fun idea. Yeah, uh-huh. and so kind of this this slow... even slow
1: reading mentality. Right. Yeah. One of the articles she said is maybe one of the most tweeted retweeted articles of all times that the Huffington post was the day I stopped saying, hurry up. Yeah. And that really resonated to me because I can't tell you the number of times I say, hurry up, get your shoes on. Let's go. We're going right to my daughter. And it really is the children have this natural awe and wonder. Mm-hmm. And yes, she is stopping to look at a leaf for the hundredth time, or, oh my goodness, there is a ladybug. Mom, it's a ladybug, and we have to stop and talk about it for two minutes. Right. But what if we all just had that same... Right, and what is
0: the harm? And I don't, you know, what are you really trying to get to? Uh What is so important that you, it's not okay to be five minutes late, or, you know, it's just, I think we make things so much more important than they need to be. And then the irony is the really important things we completely belittle. Right.
1: Um, and certainly your time is important. I want to respect your time by getting right. places on time. But sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially in my phase in life right now, there's nothing <laughs> important to get to. Right. Um, another part of the wisdom section that I liked is the gratitude exercises. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, again, just another way to control your mind and mm-hmm. have control over your responses to the world is constantly checking in and making sure you're grateful and finding things to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, so practical.
0: Yeah. I liked the section on giving because I felt like it talked about, it took the, the idea of gratitude and then it made, it made us better givers. I mean, that, cause mm-hmm. that's what gratitude ultimately does. Um, I read a book probably several years ago with my book club called 29 gifts and for 29 days, she gave a different gift, whether it was of her time or so. I know it sounds ridiculous, but something as simple as putting your grocery cart back. And I've ever since I read that book, that's something I do. And you know, maybe people were already doing that, but I wasn't. I was like leaving right. it, and now I put it back. And so this attitude that if you walk around more grateful for what's around you—I mean, as cliche and as cheesy as that sounds—it really does make you a more naturally. Generous person, I think.
1: Yeah, I love her quote. It says gratitude works its magic by serving as an antidote to negative emotions, and it's like white blood cells for the souls for the soul. I just love mm-hmm. that idea that we can overcome our negative thoughts by something. And, and yeah, giving back um, and giving our time. Which, when you feel like you don't have any time, it seems right. Uh, hypocritical to say then, oh, I don't have enough time to give. Mm-hmm. But once you start giving, you find more time, and you find right. that you have right like spaces and you treat your time differently
0: too you mm-hmm. know you, you make it maybe a little bit more sacred and perhaps if we're in tune to this well-being and this wonder we don't waste time as much maybe um i liked too the three she gives these practical tips we mentioned like at the end of every section um and i loved those because they felt like oh these are things i could actually implement and so she talks about making small gestures of kindness um using a skill or talent you have to help someone Um, But the other, the one I really liked was that during your day, make a personal connection with people you might normally pass by. Hmm. And I love that um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, Jordan, my husband, is very good at this. Um, I watch him interact with people and complete strangers, and he's just so in tune to them and kind to them. And then the other thing is now I'm on the other side of the coin, and I'm behind a counter now, and now I realize, oh, this is how people treat the person behind the counter. And even though our customers, for the most part, are lovely, wonderful people, wow. you, are, you do realize, oh, the roles are reversed, and now I'm behind the counter, and how do I like to be treated?
1: Yeah, that's a little bit of a, a sticking point. It's that guilt that you feel when you get on the plane and want to just put your earphones in and read your book and not talk to the person next to you. But oh, the yeah. Jordans who are from Birmingham, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> yeah, um, they, they do. They know that you're supposed to engage the person next to you, at least pleasantly. And really, we all have something. And this goes back to the wisdom. Everybody, you can learn something from everybody. Yeah. And we maybe it's our job to to call out what we can, we can learn from somebody. And that's again, making it about what you can get from it. Mm -hmm. But really you do get, um, when you give and when you, and when you talk to other people and learn about other people. So the end of the book, and, um, she says this was part of her, um, graduation speech or commencement speech at Smith is onward, upward and inward. And so, yeah, let's, um, make that effort and, and go inward and,
0: yeah, I think we learn so much more about
1: ourselves and the people around us when we do that. So overall,
0: would re- recommend to pick up? Absolutely. I You know, I think you do have to go in knowing this is a self-help type book. So mm-hmm. if that's not for you, this one might not be for you. Um, but she gives some pretty practical tips. So even if you're that person who just wants, just tell me what to do, yeah, you will find that here. And then for those of us, like you and me, I think, who rather would enjoy the process and give me all the statistics and all Uh the quotes. And I think those types of people will really love it. Okay.
1: Well, good. Thanks, Annie.
0: Thanks, Katie. So that was Thrive by Ariana Huffington. Um, Up
1: next, we're going to do some shop talk from the bookshelf. Okay, Annie. So one of the things I miss about being in the shop the most, and it's probably the question you get all the time, is what are people reading? My grandmother, who has terrible Alzheimer's, forgets I've sold the shop and (laughs) I'm not doing it anymore, and she asked me probably ten times... What's everybody reading at the shop? Aww. But once you're away from the shop, you really do want to know what books are people talking about and what are people right. picking up in the store?
0: Okay, so as far as like what are just people reading, by far, Donna Tartt's The Goldfinch*. Ah, People okay. cannot get enough of it. I can barely keep it on the shelves. Um, we also have a local author, um, Prissy Elrod, who's written a new memoir, um, Far Outside the Ordinary. And... It has been shockingly popular, and I and I mean that because often a regional author just doesn't sell as many books except till people who are local. So when we get tourists and things, they're just not as in tune to the regional section. Um, but we had a signing with her a couple weeks ago, and I'm hoping we're going to have her actually on the podcast pretty soon okay. um, because the the memoir was really powerful. I really enjoyed it, and it's been flying off the shelves. I think a book club in town has chosen to do it, and um, so that one's really popular. And then, of course, it's May, which means graduation season. Um, So we've got three books that I've been pleasantly surprised have kind of knocked Oh, The Places You'll Go off the top. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We still do get a lot of requests for that one, and I'm trying my best to keep it in stock. But I've got three that I actually think are just as good as Oh, The Places You'll Go. Um, if you want to do a kid's book, um, or a book like, Oh, the places you'll go, the one that we have been selling and you'll, you'll love this is what do you do with an idea? Oh, beautiful um, book. it's a beautiful book. You actually gave me a copy for my birthday this year. Um, and it's beautifully illustrated and the story is so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, so great for creatives, but people have really been buying it as a graduation gift. Um, I just graduated. Now what? Um, by a, by a Schwarzenegger. I think Catherine Schwarzenegger. Huh. Um, she actually collected and compiled advice from basically lots of famous people. So it's a neat little gift book. And even though it is a bunch of famous people, the wisdom found there is pretty fun and interesting. interesting. So that one's been popular. And famous then, people have wisdom. Yeah, believe it or not. Right. <laughs> and then Adulting, um, which is by a popular blogger, um, has been. We've had trouble keeping that that one in stock too. We've had it for a while and had sold a couple copies here or there, but now it's So So this kind of on the art of being an adult. Yeah. And fun? like your tips for being an adult. So she covers the practical, like even to the point of what do you do at a business dinner? What well, the etiquette do? You- why would anybody want to do that? <laughs> oh, it's important. I remember I took a class, like when I interned at Southern Progress in Birmingham, they had a business etiquette class you had to attend and I'm so glad now I know what (laughs) fork to use it's important
1: (laughs) I want to book on childing
0: how to just be a child again (laughs) well now that could be true but this is a really tongue-in-cheek like fun yeah okay so so it won't be like giving your graduate a chore list
1: to do of how to become adult
0: an adult it's really kind of funny tongue-in-cheek
1: okay so those are great for my mind and all but Annie you always do a great job about Picking out products that are not only beautiful but also functional. So I want to know what people are buying. What what are the non-book pe- things that people are picking up at the shop?
0: Okay, so the bookshelf is more than just a bookstore, although you and I are book lovers. But we do have the occasional product. And one rule of thumb for picking out new product for the store, I think, is to abide by that infamous uh, William Morris quote. Um, have nothing in your home that you don't find to be useful and beautiful. Um, so I try to apply it to the store. So we've got a couple of new lines that I really love and that customers really seem to be loving. Um, One is Bandeau, which Mm -hmm. is really kind of – they're kind of a famous brand on the Internet. Um, I feel like they've really got a loyal social media following, and that's where I found out about them. Um, But they have a bunch of cool tech gifts, so that's selling, I think, again, for graduation. Um, But one thing that we – I think we're almost completely sold out, and that I love are their tumblers, which maybe that's a southern thing, (laughs) Uh Um, but they're kind of fun in these different summery patterns, and it's, you know, good for the environment because you're not using plastic water bottles. You're just refilling your own kind of thing. And honey, you have to stay hydrated in the That's South. That's right. Oh, my gosh. It's so hot already. <laughs> so hot. So, um, anyway, those have been really fun. And we, in the South, have been getting tons of rain. Will not go away. And so Banjo has some really pretty umbrellas that we've been selling. And those have been popular, too. It's my favorite accessory. Yeah. That's a good umbrella. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Although I
1: can't figure out how to close one in the car.
0: Do you? What is the
1: no trick? No. You know, actually, I know how to get in the car. I I prop it between the door and the car when yeah. the door is open. But then, yeah, now how do you get off it? in the rain? Yes. Is... So I love an umbrella,
0: but I've also started wearing a raincoat <laughs> because that
1: just. Is... So we need just to work, work on an invention. Yeah, right? something.
0: How do you close an umbrella? Okay, that was really fun, everybody. Thanks for joining us on our first podcast. Uh, We hope to see you next month um, with From the Front Porch. In the meantime, we'd love your comments and questions, and we'd just love for you to visit us on our blog, com.